The problem is not that we, the American people, have flip-flopped on the science of COVID. It's that every day it seems we're getting a new piece of information contradicting the information before, but the information we're getting is not science-based information. That's the part, as we learn it, day in and day out, week in and week out, we become more disgusted with what it is that we are seeing. What it is that we're experiencing, because what we want more than anything, is to be able to have faith that the federal government has these doctors and has these people, and all right, this is what we're seeing, this is what we're happening, this is what we're going to do. But we're getting into places where we, where we are inventing problems and dynamics that have nothing to do with science. And the American people are the one who are suffering, not just because, as some people would say, they're not getting vaccinated. No, we're suffering because at what moment will we, will we be able to trust these people again. That's the conversation not told. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Go to Twitter, find me there at Tony Katz, and of course, TonyKatz.com. Jim Garrity joins us right now. You find his work over at National Review. Uh, is where you find him, a National Review Online, and his books, uh, Between Two Scorpions, a dangerous click novel. You can find that at Amazon.com or wherever fine books are sold. The latest, now large groups of vaccinated people are deemed too risky. This is the story of Lollapalooza and Chicago, and all of a sudden, the large groups of people are the enemy, unless, of course, they're rioting. Break down what it is they're saying about Lollapalooza and the vaccine. Sure. First of all, Tony, it's always good to hear your voice. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I did not expect myself to be riding to the rescue of the reputation of Lollapalooza when the weekend began. Uh, but they're holding it. It's a four-day festival out in Chicago. They think like 100,000 people are going to show up. It's a big crowd. It's a big music festival, right? Multiple stages, some of it indoors, some of it outdoors. Um, but they said they, they have a pretty stringent requirements there to show up and be let in the gate. You either need to have proof of vaccination or you need to have results from a COVID test performed in the last three days that came in negative. And they said on the first day, more than 90 percent showed up and showed uh, their proof of vaccination. Eight uh, percent said they had uh, proof of a negative test. And they said there were 600 people who were turned away because they did not have either one. Now, that's pretty good. This is what you're supposed to do. Um, masks were not required for the indoor parts, but they're recommended but not required for the first two days. And then they were required for the second two days because, uh, you know, new, uh, you know, cautions for um, the Delta variant went into effect. If you read the coverage of this in the Chicago papers, Tony, you would think they were basically inviting people to cough in each other's faces. Um, and that this was being held in a leper camp or something like that. That there was, it was this loot. Oh my God, this is a super spreader event. It's a super spreader. Well, first of all, like everybody's go, everybody, you know, the 97% of the people who went there and got vaccinated, they've taken the best step they can do. Those other folks who brought in a negative test. Yeah. I prefer they got vaccinated, but all in all, like they brought a negative test. Now, is it possible? Now, you know, it's not a perfect system. You can get tested. And the only thing the test can tell you is, do you have COVID at that time of the test? You, you get the test, you get the test results, you walk in, to the, you're walking to the, um, the concert, you catch it from somebody else, there's not much you can do that. But the good news is you're going to an environment where 90% of the people are vaccinated, which means they're not going to have a severe response. Now, what we've learned from Delta is that, yes, there is a chance that you, if you, if you are vaccinated, 
you can be a carrier. And yeah, there's a small chance you'll be a breakthrough infection. I know a couple of people who've had them. They describe it as being really cruddy. You know, it stinks. It's very for a day or two, you get sick, and then you recover, and then life goes on. If you want to argue that this gathering is too risky and should not be permitted, your argument is effectively that large groups of people, of which 90% or more are vaccinated, should not get together. And that would apply to not just concerts, but probably every sporting event coming down the pike. Uh, any other large gathering of any kind. Now, the now that's irony, where where uh, a lot of people sorry, are. They 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 are indeed in constant opposition, and that comes from constant fear. There are some people talking about Lollapalooza and saying that the showing of the vaccine is nothing more than showing a white card that they could have printed off their their home printer. And some of the people are lying. But in either case, it doesn't change a larger scale conversation that the fear factor that is being reinvited regarding you're not vaccinated, you're not this, you're not that, that did not exist during all the days of of rioting and other things that went on. It is this dichotomy, it is this back Mm -hmm. and forth that has people saying, wait a second, do we have a standard to apply or not? Uh, Extraordinarily accurate, Tony. I'm just going to observe. It was interesting to see the Chicago Sun-Times and other papers out there Panic. Well, I say panic. You're like really deeply concerned that these vaccination cards being shown by the cost scores, they could be forged. And I remember sitting there thinking, yes. And what do you think is going to happen for any other vaccine passport system that people want to implement? Right. The moment you have to require that, all of a sudden, look, there's some chunk of people out there who are just not going to get vaccinated. I wish they would, but they've decided not to make to make a different choice. That's their right. So they're going to say, oh, wait, I want to get into that concert. I want to continue working where I work. Uh, I want to keep, you know, go into that building. I want to, you know, get on that train, plane, whatever. So they're going to say, okay, how do I, how do I make a, a, a fake one? Now, some of them have stamps, some of them have other stickers, other kind of, uh, you know, USB codes and stuff like that that might not that be that easily uh, uh, forged. But in the end, like at some point, if that little card isn't enough, then you're basically saying you want to take blood samples from everybody who's going into a concert venue or something like that. At some point, you just have to trust somebody when they say, yes, I'm fully vaccinated. And this, you know, the same problem you're seeing for the Lollapalooza thing, that's going to be the, in effect for any vaccine uh, passport system you want to create. Because, no, the federal government does not have a one central database that has information on everybody. Remember, states were running this themselves. Pharmacies were running this themselves. Big, various events. There is no grand repository where they can say, oh, let's check this person's ID. Oh, yes, you are vaccinated. You're fine. It's just not there is no way to do that. And I kind of have a feeling a lot of people calling for a vaccine passport system are just kind of assuming that, like, I guess the other thing is also these people, like, we saw Obamacare.gov get rolled out, healthcare.gov get rolled out. Didn't run smoothly, right? This idea that you're going to create this grand system from coast to coast to check everybody's vaccination status whenever they try to go anywhere. You know, these, these systems don't get created overnight, and it's not going to run smoothly. And it's just kind of operating on this blanket assumption that we can step into this what strikes me as quasi-authoritarian. I just don't want New Jersey state troopers coming through the Amtrak train saying, you know, 
pippas, please. You know, like you saw and you used to see in World well, War II. Movies. Yeah, well, look, I think that if you took away the word quasi, you'd be uh, on to something. Talking to Jim <laughs> Garrity of National Review, National Review Online. You can get his books at Amazon.com, Between Two Scorpions. Uh, a fun read. You should give it a read available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. You followed this piece up about Lollapalooza with uh, a piece that literally just came out. Uh, COVID vaccine campaign suffers as feds drag their feet. This is the part two of all of these stories mm-hmm. that the administration has magnificently failed in being able to sell their story because they've gone against the story. The story is vaccine works. You should get vaccinated. They've gone against this story. And there's now a question of whether or not it's really the administration that's done this or the media that has done this, because you've seen people in the administration go after the Washington Post and the New York Times, excoriate yeah. them, a full dressing down, basically saying, what are you doing? You're making our job impossible here. Hey, watching the Biden administration complain that the Washington Post and the New York Times is getting it wrong and that with hysterical headlines, they're stirring up uh, fear and paranoia and offering an unrealistic perspective. Every conservative in America probably felt that same vibe of John McClain and Dicard. Welcome to the party, pal. Right. You know, we, we've been complaining about this for decades. You know. um, but so today's Morning Jolt newsletter is all about all the different ways that we are currently stuck because primarily the Food and Drug Administration is go- moving at its usual glacial bureaucratic pace to get us where we need to go, you know, the state where we want to be in, where more people can get the vaccine. Um, right now, uh, you know, there are this, I've, I've read the numbers on this. There are about 20 million people in this country who fit a demographic of not, you know, vehemently opposed to the vaccine, open to it, but not convinced yet. And of that demographic, about 44, 45% say, um, well, I would, I'd probably be more likely to get it if the FDA gave it full approval. You, you have a bright audience, but I assume they're all up to speed on this, but just in case they aren't. The FDA has given these vaccines what they call emergency use approval, but there's this second step, which is kind of the real, you know, blue ribbon, good housekeeping seal of approval called the biologic licensing uh, um, authorization, which basically is they've they've inspected your production facilities and everything's hunky-dory, and then it's full recommendation. And this has real consequences because right now the Pentagon, the Pentagon can require you to get vaccinated against just about anything, but they can only do it for for vaccines that are fully approved by the FDA. So right now it's about two thirds of the military has been been fully vaccinated. Um, The moment that the FDA says, yes, we give this full approval, I think almost a half million members of the military who, you know, can now be ordered. You got to get the vaccine. Um, But for everybody else, you add that up, that 45 percent of that 20 million people. Tony, that's nine million people who are like, okay, the FDA has given it full approval. Now I feel like it's safe. Let's go. And I've been trying to get people at the FDA to explain. All right. You say there's no real difference between emergency use approval and this BLA approval, that for people who want to get, you know, who are worried about COVID, the effect is the same. Go out and get it. Fine. Why can't you just give it a BLA then? Like, oh, no, no, we can't do that because we're still looking at the data. Well, okay, then clearly there is a difference between these two steps and you shouldn't be acting like there's no real difference between them. And it's this frustrating kind of two-step dance. You're hearing more and more doctors say they don't understand why this is taking too long. And just late last week, Tony, the Food and Drug Administration says we're doing all hands on deck to get approval of this as quick as possible. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, what were you doing before then? Did this seem like something you could kind of get to at a leisurely pace? This is kind of, you know, and, and my attitude is I think you and I probably have a disagreement on um, vaccine mandates. I think it's entirely reasonable for people to say, wait a second, 
if you want me to get a vaccine to remain working here or something like that, at minimum, that vaccine has to have full uh, FDA approval. None of this emergency use stuff. And I think it's, a, it, I think it's an entirely reasonable objection. Um, and very, it does not certainly not seem like anybody has lit a fire up under the, uh, the FDA. Well, here, here's where we, we may have a, a difference, although your, your point is taken. If you're going to tell people they have to get a vaccine and you then don't tell them that it's FDA approved, that you might be giving them reason to say, hey, what's what's going on here? And I don't believe in any level of mandates. I, I never have. I just I, I cannot be convinced otherwise. But I think the, 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 the bigger question would be then. If the FDA is giving this level of, of, of runaround of what matters, what doesn't matter, why isn't the Biden administration all over them? This is a great example of what uh, Trump administration would have already done. They would have gotten the approval. They would have talked about it. They would have been loud about it. They would have been like, what are you waiting for? Get rid of the bureaucratic this. Get rid of the nonsense there. So is there any argument to be made that it takes this long to get FDA approval? And is there any argument to be made that if anything were to go wrong with the vaccine, it's on the administrations, plural, that allowed this to go forward without approval? Sure. You know, the short answer is that the, the Food and Drug Administration, if one of their spokesmen here right now, they would say, look, we're used to operating on a completely different time frame for approving a vaccine. Usually this goes on for years and years. We're already doing this as fast as we possibly can while still being safe. And it's not an unreasonable argument, but here's the weird thing, Tony, is like, I think as of this morning, like 190 million Americans have at least one shot. <clears throat> and I think we're like 160 some million Americans have both shots are fully vaccinated. Right. So they're like, well, we need to collect more data. Look, the data is in our bloodstreams already. Like, it's kind of like, oh, well, we can't, you know, like if, if for and God, you know, I just really want to get a sense. And I, I haven't got any good sense. Like, what is the Food Drug Administration looking for? At this point, are they going to find something that makes them say, oh, wait, this isn't such a good vaccine book? Because if that's the case, it's already in me and it's already in a whole bunch of uh, lots of other Americans. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense, at least to a layman's point of view, of just what this process needs to do. And I've heard, you know, Marty McCarry and some other doctors who've gone through this process before say, really, you, you could not quite somewhat dispute this, but you, you could do this in a weekend. That basically, it's, you know, you collect all the data, you put the data in front of them. And a process that takes a month of reviewing the numbers, like if you just say, nope, we're going to do this, we're just going to sit down and we're going to run through all this data and we're going to look at all and we're going to analyze it and, and come to our conclusions faster. Like, it's not necessarily, so, some people are going to look at it, oh my God, they're rushing it, they're, they're going through this process and all that kind of stuff. His argument is actually no, they're just the people used to moving at a very, let's say, deliberate pace, shall we say. Um, and it just... You know, again, it, it seems just kind of oblivious to the circumstances. Two other aspects I get into today's morning jolt that I'll just you know go over real quick. Um, it's really annoying to hear Joe Biden say, parents, you should get your kids vaccinated when those of us with children under age 12 can't get them vaccinated. And I've even through this bizarre editorial in the New, New Jersey Star-Ledger today that was saying it's time for a mandate for all children in schools. Well, they can't get it if they're 12, under age 12. So it's, it's bizarre. Like they're, they're talking about this. And oh, by the way, the FDA, says, the FDA is currently saying that they need more data up for kids. They want to be extra careful with that. You can't begrudge them that instinct that much. But the end result is it may not be approved until midwinter, like January 2022. Like what's, you know, if the great fear is to vaccinate their kids, the first thing is I'm not quite sure 
If it works on 12-year-olds, I have my wonder about, well, why would it work on 11-year-olds? Would it work on 10-year-olds? And an important point for listeners to keep in mind, these are all the same vaccines. They are not reformulating them right. for the teen version or the kids version. In fact, I was kind of surprised. I figured they would do smaller doses based on age. And it's possible they will do that for the children's age. But right now, Tony, a 12-year-old and a 40-year-old and an 80-year-old all get the same dose of the same thing. And that's why parental hesitation is absolutely rational. And the people who want to force parents are in for a very rude awakening on the pushback. That's Jim Garrity right there, G-E-R-A-G-H-T-Y, the book Between Two Scorpions. You should check it out at Amazon.com and check out his work at National Review Online, nationalreview.com. Jim, I always appreciate it. I've got more. I'm Tony Counts.